Welcome everyone to a fine Wednesday morning in the Deer Park. Today's talk will be about becoming Buddhist. And uh, it's an interesting topic. There are actually many Buddhist teachers out there who recommend not to become Buddhist. And maybe not many, but there are some teachers out there who who believe that uh, the word Buddhism is, is in itself a problem and uh, is taking away from the purity of the teaching. So I'd like to qualify, and, and, and I'm not going to deny that there's a danger in labels, but I'm going to qualify what I mean and, and try to explain why it might actually be a benefit to us to take on the, the label or the role or the identification of a, of, of a Buddhist. First of all, what is meant by a Buddhist? There are three ways of approaching the Buddhist teaching. Um, three sorts of of paths you can take when you approach what we understand to be Buddhism. And the first is to become a fully enlightened Buddha. This path is obviously the most difficult, and it's also the most uh, noble and exceptional. To become a Buddha takes a incredibly long time, and it depends on one's skill and, and perfections as to whether one will even come close to attaining it. They say that to become a, a perfectly enlightened Buddha, you have to be willing to swim through an ocean of of red-hot coals. If suppose there were an ocean the size of, say, the Pacific Ocean, and instead of water it were full of red-hot coals, and you knew that you could swim through it without dying, but you'd still feel all the pain and, and suffering, you wouldn't... It, if you had what it took to become a Buddha, you wouldn't you wouldn't think twice to cross that ocean in order to become a Buddha. It takes an incredible determination. And you might even say it takes an incredible amount of luck because it's something that takes such a long time that the chances of you maintaining your dedication for such an uncountable length of time is, is quite difficult. This isn't to discourage people from that path. Uh, it's it's maybe to, to instill some measure of realism because it seems like there's a lot of people who take take on the vow to become a fully enlightened Buddha uh, without really understanding what it entails and without really taking on those practices and and that sort of dedication which is going to give one even a slight chance of, of getting there. The second path is to become enlightened for oneself 
but not teach. And so the, the, what makes a, Buddha a fully enlightened Buddha special is that, first of all, he's able to realize, he or she is able to realize the truth for themselves without anyone having to explain it to them. This is the extent of their perfection. They don't need a teacher. They're so highly developed that they're able to look at reality and to see it for what it is without any instruction. But the second thing is that they're also then able to teach it to other people. Not only do they free themselves from all attachment, all clinging, all suffering, but they understand clearly how they did it and how anyone else can do it. And they're able to see the path of everyone of any other person as to what it's going to take to get them to that, that stage. And so they can teach others. And they can teach others perfect with perfect accuracy such that they know exactly what it's going to take to to for that person to develop. Now the the second type here is called the Pacheka Buddha, a private Buddha, or one who becomes enlightened for themselves. And this sort of person is special as well because they're able they're still able to realize the truth by themselves. These are many of the great seers that have been in the past. Um, you know, a good example I think could be Lao Tzu, who was uh, um, the founder of Taoism. But he wasn't the founder in the sense of of actually going out and teaching anyone. He just left behind a, a, a text or or a set of teachings, which in the end aren't really teachings; they're just principles. And then he left the world. And so these 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 beings can arise at any time and they go into the forest and they're able to realize the truth but it's a different sort of realization they 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 let go they see things clearly but they don't have this design in terms of understanding the the method to to bring people to this realization just like all of us when we practice often we practice according to a teacher and we're even less able than 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 a Pacheka buddha to to teach anyone else we were able to practice by ourselves and we're able to follow the instruction of the teacher but we're not able to lead other people to the same uh, realization because we don't have the knowledge of the teacher So Pacheka Buddha becomes enlightened, but then doesn't teach others. The third type, what I would identify with as as a Buddhist, or or it's the type of Buddhist that I'm going to be talking about here, is a person who is not able, in their present condition, to realize the truth for themselves. But they take on either the Buddha or one of his enlightened disciples, or someone who is knowledgeable about the teachings of the Buddha as a teacher and as a result they're able to realize the truth having been instructed this is the most common the 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 the, the difference between the 
the enlightened Buddha and uh, the fully enlightened Buddha and one of his disciples. It really boils down to this: uh, a fully enlightened Buddha. To become a fully enlightened Buddha, you not only have to give up everything, you also have to understand everything, know everything. You have to know everything. You have there has to be nothing that you no stone left unturned. You have to have come to understand the entire universe. To be a disciple of the Buddha, you don't have to know everything, but you have to let go of everything. You have to understand enough about the universe to realize that there's nothing worth clinging to. And when you do that, you you become free from suffering. So, the, in one sense, the realization is the same in, on a practical level, because you're no longer subject to attachment and, and addiction and suffering. But the, Buddha, the fully enlightened Buddha has the advantage in terms of being able to teach others and to... the, the breadth of the knowledge is, is incom incomparable. But so today I'm just going to be talking about this third type, how to become a follower of the Buddha. And the benefits, as I see it, of, of taking on this label given that there are potential disadvantages of... of, of you know, self-identification and and creating a, some sort of sense of self or so on, are that by determining in your mind, by making a determination that you're going to follow the Buddha's teaching, that the Buddha and Buddhism is your um, path, It's something that protects you. You you gain this um, both internal and external protection. You become protected from um, evil spirits. You become protected from um, misfortune. And you become protected by 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 Buddhists, by the Buddhist religion. So you become protected internally and and externally. Evil spirits, um, you know, there there are malevolent forces in the world. There are um, both humans and non-humans who, um, you know, through mischief or through gen through genuine um, malevolence will try to harm us. Having taken the, the, the Buddha and his teachings and the Sangha as our refuge, having having become a Buddhist or to one one who follows the Buddha's teaching, we have this this strength of mind and um, we have this this uh, you know it's like it's like kind of like entering the mafia. You have protection. There's some sort of like if you to, to make a crude sort of comparison, um, there because there are also ben, ben, benevolent forces in the universe, both humans and non-humans, and the most benevolent are, are are the Buddhists, those who who follow the Buddha's teaching because of the the purity of the teaching, the fact that the Buddha focused and 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 stressed the purification of the mind. 
So there are many forces out there that protect the Buddha's teaching, seeing it as a as a beneficial force in the world, and not just not just talking about spirits, but also human beings who uh, see the benefit of the Buddha's teaching, and in fact. And many times non-Buddhists will protect Buddhists. And I've seen this. There are both sides. There are, there are human beings who, who obviously, through their ignorance or through their bigotry, they're, they're, they can, they're actually malevolent towards the Buddhist teaching, towards Buddhism. When they see monks, they, they feel hostility. Um, I, was, I was arrested last year and put in jail by some, someone who thought, or, or was either trying to have me, um, trying to put me in trouble, or else, you know, genuinely thought I was something I wasn't, thought I was a streaker, or so on. And I, you know, you get this, but you also get other people who are not Buddhist, but you know, s see the genuine sincerity, the the the, the purity, the the love and compassion that is expressed by by Buddhists and um, wish to protect them. And this is this is one of the one of the benefits I would say of of, of identifying yourself as as a, a Buddhist. It's one of those um it's maybe similar to identifying yourself as a Canadian. We always have this joke when we go traveling. Um as Canadians we always put our the Canadian flag on our pass uh, on our backpacks, and uh, this is because Canadians were—I don't know anymore—but they were for a long time respected, uh, rightfully or not rightfully, as as uh, nice people, good 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 people, and so would generally be given an easier time if they were um, accosted by by police or so on. So what happened then is 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 um, Americans when they would go abroad they would also put a Canadian flag on their backpacks, and if anyone asked they would tell them they were Canadian. Uh, it's maybe something like that. Uh, this is sort of sort of a um, one of the lower, more base um, benefits of becoming a Buddhist, but it certainly is there, and protection is is quite useful being protected from 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 danger obviously when we're trying to develop ourselves they say that when you when you take the buddha buddha as your refuge evil spirits w will not dare to come near you because they know the danger of of attacking someone who is is a follower of the buddha there is an inherent danger for for Evil for spirits, um, because it's very easy for them to to switch from from one state to another. A human being does an evil deed, and and it's very slow to bring results. But a, a, a spirit does 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 uh, evil deeds or good deeds. It's very quick to bring results. The next benefit is that it brings happiness in this life. When we become Buddhist, it brings a great state of of, of peace and, and surety, um, confidence to us. It eases our minds. We 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 don't have to think about about 
what is right and what is wrong we we accept um, the teachings of the Buddha we've studied them and we're sure in our minds and we have this great confidence we know where we stand so it's like the, when the Christians they, they always tell you when, when you have a problem you just ask yourself what would Jesus do right this is the Christian answer for, for Buddhists we say well what, what, would, what would the Buddha do or what would a Buddhist do what would a follower of the Buddhist Buddha do and th this is use, generally useful as well uh, it's as I said it's something that brings us peace and happiness it's something that um, calms and tranquilizes our mind when we practice meditation we feel somehow like we 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 are a part of the group we're walking with the Buddha we're following after the Buddha uh, and then the, the 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 next benefit related to that is it brings happiness in in our next life because of the surety of mind the the the, the confidence that we have and the peace and and tranquility that exists in our minds um, from accepting the Buddha as our teacher when we pass away we can be sure to be born in a good in a good place in a good way but the real reason i would say and and probably the best reason the only the only sort of reason that is of immediate benefit or immediate purpose uh, for us is that considering that the buddhist teaching is so pure and that there's nothing, there, there's no part of it that is uh, that is is detrimental to us. That taking on the Buddha as a, as our refuge, or taking taking on Buddhism as our path, leads to purity of mind, leads to purity of mind and a dedication to the practice. And this is obviously the most important because our our intention our path as buddhists is to practice is to develop our minds and so taking the 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 buddha as our refuge and reminding ourselves of the of the qualities of the buddha and determining that this is our path gives us this strength of mind to continue in the practice when the going gets tough we we remember the example that the buddha set and we reaffirm in our minds that we are followers of the Buddha. It gives us confidence. It gives us reassurance that um, we're a good person, that we're someone who, who um, uh, has done has done a good thing in terms of um, you know, put, placing our our trust and our confidence in the Buddha, and by following this path, which leads us to freedom from suffering. So I would say it's generally a good thing. It's it's obviously not the best thing, and it's not a replacement for meditation. I would say there's a lot of people out there who are Buddhist, quote unquote, and don't practice, and tend to get this overconfidence that you know it's you know I'm Buddhist and I, I'm I'm I've been Buddhist from birth, and that somehow that means something. Somehow that is going to protect one. And I would say, you know, having said that it is a protection, it is a support, it's a fairly weak protection um, 
in the face of of the defilements that exist in our minds. If that's our only protection is this identification as a Buddhist, then we're not likely to be protected um, in any way from, from, from the evils in our mind. It's simply a support. It's, it's a basic practice that encourages us, that tranquilizes our minds. When I was practicing meditation, when I first went to practice meditation, I didn't, wasn't even interested in Buddhism. I was, had no intention to become a Buddhist. But they made us do this ceremony where we, you know, we take the Buddha as our refuge. And so I followed after and I was reading, uh, reading the words, reading the script again while I was meditating. You know, they wouldn't let us read. So all we had is this little booklet. And uh, I just kept reading it over and over again in the chanting. And so when, when, when the practice got really difficult and suddenly I was faced with, you know, this this overwhelming um, su uh, pain and suffering from you know, just the realization of, of, of the insanity that existed in my mind and what I had done to myself and, and how, how I was so on the wrong path you know, with drugs and alcohol and women and, and, and music and, and so, much, so much that was you know, really destroying my, my peace of mind and, and had been doing so for many years. I remember waking up at three in the morning and, and you know just saying, okay, I'll get ready to start. And as soon as I sat down to start meditating, everything come, came back again, everything from the last day. And it was right there again waiting for me. It hadn't gone anywhere. It hadn't disappeared with my sleep. And just freaking out and realizing, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. You know, I, and, and I had no way, nowhere to go. I had no, no refuge. No, um, nothing to hold on to. Nothing to pull, pull myself up with. And so I went walking out of my, out of my hut, looking for... You know, I, I'm not looking actually, just wandering aimlessly. And then I saw off in this bam bamboo sala they had this Buddha image, and the light was on. Some somebody had left the light on all night. And as soon as I saw it, I just just drawn to it, and I walked over and 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 I, pro I I knelt down in front of the Buddha and I prostrated down and and I started chanting according to this booklet and taking refuge in the Buddha. <laughs> and I suppose that sounds a lot like a Christian tale of 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 of, of uh, what do you call uh, newborn? I uh, know born again, being born again, and um, you know I, d I don't think it's that dissimilar, and it's certainly not a state of enlightenment, but it was something that really helped me in my practice. It helped me to continue meditation. So if you want to to meditate, if that was my intention is to meditate, then I would say that was a real benefit for me. Because it gave me this, you know, basic reassurance that I wasn't alone. I had someone, you know, to 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 you know hold on to while I was you know, like a child just learning to walk. And it, it's certainly it, it's certainly not the the final solution, but for for newcomers, it can be a, a very great uh, thing to do, a great benefit, and and helps to calm and reassure your mind in the beginning. Okay, so the next thing is, is what does it mean to be a Buddhist and how do you become a Buddhist? And it's quite simple. Um, as a Buddhist, we're not um, 
we're not really interested in identifying ourselves as anything. But there are certain qualifications that um, one has to has to um, has to obtain. One has to take the three refuges. To to be considered a Buddhist, you have to take the Buddha as your refuge. The idea is, as a Buddhist, we say that the Buddha is our leader. Though he's passed away long long ago, we still you know understand that this this person who taught all of these wonderful things is our leader and we we take him and and singularly him as our leader the second is is the dhamma his teachings we take his teachings as our teaching as the teachings we are going to follow we take we say that these are the teachings that we're going to follow this is our path and third we we take the teachers or the the enlightened disciples of the buddha as as our refuge, the people who have passed on the Buddha's teaching up until this time. This is this is this is what I meant by you know having the protection, having a, a support, because these things are something that we can always reflect on, something that we can always remember something that we can use to uh, support ourselves when the going gets tough, when, it, when, when we're in difficulty. Um, it, it's not a central practice. Again, I don't want to people to get this idea that we're like a, a faith-based religion where we, we, we focus on worshipping these things or something. But the support is, is undeniable, the support that these things give to our minds. And so my my teacher he said when you're when you're in danger when you when you're traveling anywhere when you're going on a trip or something um, and you're worried and and you're not sure you know um, whether there'll be danger or or misfortune or so on. You can just remind yourself of the Buddha and say that the Buddha is your refuge, the Dhamma is your refuge, the Sangha is your refuge, and it 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 strengthens your mind, and it can actually change the course of events because it uh, creates some sort of um, some sort of strength and power in your mind, and perhaps even is a, a means of of seeking protection from from the angels and the guardian spirits who. Uh, who, are, who may also be Buddhist or appreciate the Buddhist teaching. So we have this mantra actually that we'll say to ourselves that just says, the Buddha is my refuge, the Dhamma is my refuge, the Sangha is my refuge. Buddha may not do, Dhamma may not do, Sangha may not do. And we repeat that to ourselves. The second thing that, that's required as a Buddhist is that we keep the five precepts. And this is where people tend to have a lot of trouble. Um, I would say most people are at least superficially able to um, accept the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha as uh, good things and as their refuge, even though they might not quite know what that means. Most or many Buddhists don't really know what the Dhamma is, don't don't have a strong understanding of 
of what is the teaching of the Buddha and and also don't have an, a way of distinguishing between you know those those teachers or those Buddhists who could be considered Sangha who, who actually practice according to the Buddha's teaching so there are a lot of Buddhists out there who follow after teachers who maybe are fortune-telling or or um, you know offering amulet selling amulets or or you know teaching public school or whatever uh, many things which are are not in line with the Buddhist teaching and would, would make one think that this is not really a part of the Sangha these people are not really uh, followers uh, or, or passing on the Buddhist teaching but so people are able at least superficially to accept this it's very difficult for people to accept the five precepts um, and, and this makes it a little bit difficult to become a Buddhist and obviously it, 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 that makes sense because um, Buddhism is not an easy path it's not an easy thing to become enlightened, to become free from suffering. We're not talking about something, you know, there's no, okay, become a Buddhist, sign up, and you're, 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 you're set for life. This isn't one of those religions. It's a very difficult thing, and, and this is perhaps why, why seeking out a support might be, might be beneficial, because we have no illusions about the difficulty of the, the uh, task at hand. It's not something where everyone can be said to succeed. You might fail. You might end this life not having um, gained any uh, lasting benefit, right? or or not having gained, not having become enlightened uh, to any degree. It's possible that you could practice for some time and, and fall away from it. And so, you know, really we, we need all the help we can get. It's the benefit of becoming Buddhist. But we also have to take on very some, some fairly difficult precepts. Um, people always ask about the five precepts, you know, are they really necessary? Especially, you know, the not drinking alcohol and taking drugs. And really, I think this is a terrible, terrible question to ask. And I think it's ridiculous that people always say, oh, well, if you want to have one glass of wine, it's not really that bad. It's really, I mean, come on, people. If you, if you can't give up such a simple thing like, like intoxicants, drinking poison, drinking rotten grapes, um, you, know, you know, is it really, um, you know, is it really fair for us to 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 whine and complain about such a small thing when what we're looking at here is such a profound and uh, incredibly difficult path that if you can't even give up these basic um, acts these these basic immoral immoral um, undertakings it's it's, it's not it doesn't speak well for your ability to do away with the very subtle defilements. And I, and I think this, this is easy to see for people who really practice meditation. That if you're serious about meditation, it's, it's not really that difficult for you to give these things up. If this is what is required, uh, this is what the Buddha recommended. Not, not even really recommended, but he was, he was fairly categorical in terms of you know, if you don't keep these, you're not really going to progress in your practice. Um, these are the th these are the 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 basic 
um, moral principles of a Buddhist meditator, of a Buddhist practitioner. If you can't even keep these, it's it's very difficult to see that any way for you to to progress. And so, it's it's often a seen as a um, um, making a concession or or you know giving something up in 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 favor for our practice. We we want to go out drinking, we want to drink wine, we want to be a social drinker or so on. Maybe we want to kill, we want to steal, we want to cheat, we want to lie. And in some ways we can we can ver we can justify very small bad deeds. But this is a, a sacrifice that we make. Um and and in the end it isn't a sacrifice at all. We see that it, we were wrong to once we practice we see that we were wrong to think that there was any good that could come from any of these things. Even just in terms of drinking, people who, who who drink a little bit and say, oh, I'm just doing it to be social and, and to fit in and so on. Actually, what you're saying there is that you're doing it so that you don't have to challenge other people's beliefs. You know, suppose your friends are alcoholics or, or they really do get drunk. Well, you just drink just so that they don't feel bad. Basically, what you're saying, you, you drink so that they they're able to to retain their sense that drinking is okay, which of course it isn't. And as a Buddhist, it certainly isn't. As a Buddhist, we have, you know, we, we make this determination that, that this is the opposite of a clear and sober and, and, and um, pure state of mind. And so you're doing an incredible disservice to, to, to the Buddhist teach to Buddhism by by encouraging these people. And you're wasting a very precious um, chance to to change the world. To say to these people, "I'm sorry, I don't drink. I think I believe that drinking is a cause for for um, a muddled state of mind. It is it is a um, an enemy to clarity to clarity of mind. My practice is to." Purify my mind, and uh, so I don't do these things. Now, if that makes them angry, then 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 here you go. This is something they have to look at in themselves, and something you have to look at. Why are you hanging out with people who get angry when you talk about clarity of mind and purity of mind? When you talk about meditation, and all your friends start to, you know, get upset and 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 uh, you know, get bored and disinterested looks on their faces. Why are you with these people? If, if you can somehow explain to them to the extent that they're able to accept and eventually come to practice, good. But otherwise, um, it's not much of an excuse to say, well, my friends like to drink and therefore I should drink with them. You know, you, you, it probably means that you're hanging out with the wrong people. So the five precepts, we don't kill, we don't steal, we don't cheat, meaning to uh, commit adultery or, or you know, break up other relationships for in, in romantic uh, affairs. We don't lie and we don't take drugs and alcohol, those things that intoxicate the mind. And this is basically what it means to become a Buddhist. When you, when you take these two things, the three refuges, you accept that the Buddha, his teachings, and the Sangha, 
the teachers who have passed on his teachings are your refuge are your um, your your point of reference and when you take the five precepts as rules for your life this is really what it means to become a Buddhist and just as a side note I, I made a video on YouTube recently that is a ceremony for taking the three refuge and the five precepts so if in case anyone is interested in uh, in becoming a Buddhist you're welcome to look it up and here's the link So I thought that was something useful to talk about. Um, this ceremony on, on YouTube is, is, is a way of reaffirming um, these principles that I've talked about. It's a ceremony. It's a ritual. Um, and what it does is it reaffirms in your mind. It's just like our meditation practice. When we watch the rising, we, are, we reaffirm for ourselves. This is the rising. This is the falling of the abdomen. When we feel pain, we reaffirm it for what it is. And it has a power. When we do this ceremony, it has a power in our minds. It reaffirms in our minds. It strengthens our, our vow, our, our intention. And it has a purpose. It has a, a, an effect. I would say the effect is beneficial because uh, it strengthens our ability to, to, to carry out our practice. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. I think that should be something generally useful for people um, as a support for your meditation practice. I haven't really gotten into meditation these past couple of weeks, and I promised that I would, but um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll um, I'd like to teach a, a session, record a session on, on basic meditation practice, just a 10-15 minute session. Where all we d it's a guided meditation that I can then use for people to use at home when they want to learn to meditate in, in, in a very short time and get a basic understanding of how to meditate. So maybe I'll do that next time. Anyway, thank you all for coming. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them now.